When the lights come up, you're gonna get applause, applause, applause. You've done something we can't forget. Now get ready, yo, because you know we're coming for you. We got a question or two. We wanna know all about the cool things that you do, and we will by the time we listen to applause, 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 applause. Hey everybody, welcome to the long overdue episode of Applause. Happy New Year to everybody. <laughs> um, the Guthrie is here. We're going to be talking about performing arts. Sometimes holiday activities and other things get in the way. We do aim to be with you twice a month on Tuesdays talking about how much we love performing arts as well as chatting with regional artists and locals who share our passion. We'll focus on theater and dance, music, and the love of movies. I'm your host, Lisa Livingston Pritchard. And I'm your host, Alex Franco Tootin. Okay, Alex, you know our goal is to inform our listeners about all the different arts opportunities in the area, but COVID wah, 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 <laughs> has really put a damper on any live arts performances this winter. And sadly, Grove City High School show was canceled at the last minute, though, wow, thankfully, it was online for people to see. And I, I just love the innovation around that. Okay, there's nothing really like being there, however, in the theater or in the choir, especially for us art enthusiasts. I know this has left a void. I know it's left one in my life and your life, Alex. I know your whole family is very involved in both going to shows and being in shows. Yeah, I, I, it has been hard. I have to admit, um, there's no date light night. I like better than seeing a musical at the Benedum or Toby's dinner theater. When I'm in Maryland, we were headed there. And then because of COVID, uh, we weren't able to go to, to Maryland. Um, as a family, we have watched some of the musicals streaming on TV, Memphis, one of our favorites. And of course, Hamilton, uh, I was, I have to admit, glued to the Disney sing-along on TV recently, <laughs> and I sang my little heart out. <laughs> oh, I get you. I, I feel you. And, uh, you we know, we used to do those all the time when they were kids, and then they have it now. I'm, yes. I'm never, I'm, I will never uh, outgrow that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and because there are no choirs or chamber singers, uh, you know, no concerts, end of the, you know, the winter concerts. We have done a lot of singing in the car. Uh, we try to create harmonies. Sometimes it works, sometimes not so much. Uh, for a fine art fix, we do Bob Ross paint-offs, where we watch an episode oh. and try to keep up. And again, some attempts are more successful than others, but it just <laughs> so great to get those creative juices going. Um, so how about you, Lisa? I know you eat, drink, and breathe the art. So where are you getting your artistic nourishment, so to speak? Well, I think you know that I am a big podcast fan and you know, I'm an old movie, like classic movie fan. So I've been kind of combining those two interests. I've been looking for old pod podcast for old classic movies and classic radio shows. And I've just been enjoying that. I've been listening to those, especially as you know, this time of year where you're you know, around the house doing this and that. And so I've been enjoying that. And, uh, and before the, fun. What? the recent shutdown, you were having the, the movie nights at Guthrie. Yeah, absolutely. The Guthrie Movie Club. Um, we have been fortunate to be able to continue to do that. Nice socially distance um, classic movies. And we're, we've had so much fun. Let me see. We started with Bringing Up Baby and... Um, the ghost of Mrs. Muir and different things like that. And yeah. it, it, that definitely feeds, feeds that part of me that I love. Um, but I also, I also like to do things. I'm, a, I've been really working on some, looking through Pinterest, getting some inspiration. <laughs> I've got a couple of big jobs to, to tackle. I've started gathering a few crafting supplies because I do like to craft and I craft. So that, that gets my, gets my, my uh, creative juice is flowing. And of course, Bill and I love to watch movies and, and musicals. We've been doing that a lot, but this will affect us um, in the next, well, I'm, I'm shooting for February. So speaking of these old radio plays, I know that both you and I love to perform. So 
I think that we are going to, as applause, put on our own radio play. So right now I'm in the middle of looking for scripts that we can do. So everybody be looking for this opportunity. I think you're going to love it. It's this wonderful throwback. And because of uh, our medium of Zoom, we can rehearse and put this play on on um, on our own podcast. I'm Frankly, I'm looking forward to that. If anyone out there has suggestions, feel free to write them on our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Lisa, I am so excited about the next guest we are interviewing. Um, He has performed on Broadway. He is a great human being, and he is now using his talents to give back to the world as a master teacher. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) And we thought during the season of COVID, it was important to introduce people like this to our audience um, because they teach and and train students virtually, allowing us, any of us who are stuck at home, to continue to participate in the arts and grow our theatrical skills while the public stages are dark and we wait for those curtains to open again. So Aaron Galligan Sturl is an accomplished actor, director, and producer with critically acclaimed work that ranges from Broadway musicals to Shakespeare. He is also a highly sought-after audition coach, providing exclusive workshops and one-on-one training for for professionals in the Broadway community and at top universities across the country. He also just joined the theater faculty at Slippery Rock University, our own Slippery Rock. Yay! We are thrilled to have him working within the community. Now listen to this resume. Aaron has performed on Broadway as Papa Who in Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Henry Ford in the Tony-nominated revival of Ragtime, and as Mike Nolte in the national tour of White Christmas. Aaron was also selected by Hal Prince to play Monsieur Andre in the Broadway company of Phantom of the Opera. Aaron is also well-known across the country for his performances at the premier regional theaters and prestigious Shakespeare companies including seven seasons at the Tony award-winning Utah Shakespeare Festival. And let me just tell you, his resume goes on and on from there. (laughs) Um, But I first heard of the talents of Aaron um, from a mutual friend of ours, Kirsten Lort. So I have to give a shout out to Kirsten. Love you, Kirsten. Kirsten is very talented in her own right. So Aaron, welcome to Applause, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Absolutely. Um, um, if I'm not mistaken, you have some Pennsylvania roots, correct? I do. I do. Well, I was um, uh, born and raised in Wheeling, West Virginia, which, as we know, is not far from Pennsylvania, not oh. far from Pittsburgh at all, about an hour. Um, so we would travel into into Pittsburgh on a fairly regular basis as a, when I was a, when I was young. And then I actually went to school at Penn State. Uh, I, I went to undergrad in Virginia. Uh, and then when I was ready to get my MFA in acting, I ended up attending Penn State University and got my MFA there. Wonderful. Wonderful. Hey, well, Aaron, Alex, and I have shared stories about experiences or teachers that as children nurtured our love of the arts. Okay, so who or what inspired you to pursue this career in the arts? Yeah, you know, um, I'm one of those strange people who, and and maybe listeners to this uh, podcast will actually uh, feel at home that, that that they're maybe also strange and, and not so alone in this. Um, that, you know, I wanted to be in the theater from the very, very beginning. I, I remember very vividly, you know, um, no one in my family is necessarily uh, um, in, in the theater necessarily. Um, but when I was, uh, when I was very young, I remember telling my parents, I'm going to be an actor. I want to do, I want to do shows. And I, I, you know, would put on little p- performances in my neighborhood with all of my friends. <laughs> I would direct it and I would tell them what part, po- they're playing and then I'd play the lead of course um uh you know and I was you know I was in in you know I was the lead in the first grade play the little white rabbit who wanted red wings you know I mean I just was one of those people who just from the very very beginning always wanted to be involved in the theater and um have really made it my life's work to to do so and which which does not mean that there have not been some incredibly important and influential people along the way that have really inspired me and and really guided me in, in, along that way probably one of the the primary people would be um my my high school theater teachers um 
I was very lucky to go to a public high school with a thriving theater community. We had um, a, a very large, large theater department with some really spectacular teachers, um, Mrs. Mock, and Miss Mock, um, Mr. Cornforth, and um, my primary person that I worked with, was, who was Fran Schoolcraft, who really taught me the, the focus and dedication and um, professionalism required to really make a life in the arts. It's really funny because when you talk, I think Alex and I both have had some of the similar um, experiences. I think all three of us have spent time rounding up people in our communities <laughs> to make sure we have opportunities to perform ourselves as children. Yep. Yep. Yeah, directing, uh, telling people what they're going to do. That was, that was all part of it. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm rounding up my whole family Christmas Eve to put on the, I don't know what number this is, nativity play. And of course I'm married. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. Of course you're married. It may be that I have six boys and there are no girls to play Mary, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love um, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I love hearing how many people have, have similar stories. So I don't feel like I was quite the um, arts dictator of the <laughs> elementary school that I, I feared. Um, <laughs> so I know that, uh, you've certainly have your, your, your career that you had in, on, in New York. Where are you living now though? And how did you come to be there? Well, um, I have a home in the Bronx in New York city where, where I've lived for, um, wow. Uh, I guess we're we're getting close to 20 years, wow. which is totally amazing. As soon as I graduated from Penn State, um, my wife and I moved there, and we've we've lived there for 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 a long time. And um, I was sort of just trucking along, living my life, doing my thing, um, performing quite a bit, and traveling quite a bit, and and coaching uh, my um, quite a bit, and. Uh, all mostly in person, occasionally online, but mostly it was all in person in the, in the New York City area because I was I was really working with top professionals, Broadway actors, etc. As they were really um, focused in on on their craft, and uh, the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, uh, all of the work, all of it, disappeared. Um, yes. I was go. I went from uh, performing, you know, multiple shows a year to zero. And I went from teaching four to five classes a week, plus another 15 or 20 one-on-one -on -one coachings to no classes and maybe one or two coachings a week if I was lucky. Yeah. And so when that happened, I realized that I needed to pivot very quickly and figure out another option for the time being. Uh, I sort of pieced things together through the, through the spring and into the beginning of the summer. I mostly was unemployed and didn't work at all. And then an opportunity came up for a year long position at Slippery Rock University. They were hiring someone to come in and do a permanent, a, an emergency hire to cover the musical theater courses at Slippery Rock for a year. And that seemed like the perfect opportunity uh, because I was able to, I knew that the pandemic was gonna continue here for a period of time. And so this was a great opportunity for me to provide for my family, continue to do what I love and, and, and passionate about, which is teaching and mentoring young people and, and young artists and um, work at, you know, for for a period for a period of time that is limited it wasn't a, a permanent position it was a year-long position which at that moment felt like exactly what i could commit to and give it a chance to see if it was something i wanted to continue on beyond that so all of that is to say um uh to answer your question which is where am i living <laughs> which is that um uh what i actually did was we we uh, i'm teaching all of my courses remotely with Slippery Rock. And um, I'm living, I'm actually living about an hour, a little over an hour outside of New York City. Um, it didn't really make sense for my wife and, and kids and I to continue being holed up in a one bedroom apartment with nowhere to go during a pandemic. So we are actually living at my in-laws uh, little, little cabin in the woods about an hour and 15 minutes out. So we have at least the outdoors and the kids can run around a little bit and we have a little bit more space. 
in the meantime, and then we'll kind of figure out what happens once um, this pandemic starts to recede a bit. That actually sounds almost like a uh, a made-for-movie <laughs> scenario, living out yeah. in a cabin. That sounds absolutely lovely. I will tell you, um, being a uh, person who grew up in very rural circumstances, I would watch movies about New York City, and I was like, where do the children play? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I always wondered that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did yeah. it? It's a great question. And, and it is one of the challenges of New York City at times, you know, but there's also a thriving community there that, you know, that sort of figures it out. And, and uh, um, so, so we're, we're, just, we are really grateful to be where we are right now. We feel safe. We feel like we have a little bit of room. It's a yeah. little isolated, you know, as people who are used to being part of a thriving theatrical community to yes, in a cabin in the woods with, with just your wife and, and two kids. Um, but we're, we feel very, very lucky to be here and that I'm able to continue to do art, you know, virtually. Yeah. I mean, it's really exciting that way. It is. And I tell you, one of the things, too, uh, I, I love the fact that in this day and age that where technology can be so negative, what a wonderful thing it it can bring to us is is our ability to reach out and be part of the world instead of being isolated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been really incredible to, for me to really experience how much can really be done online, you know, until, until the pandemic, like I said, I was teaching all my classes in person and I was doing all my coachings in person and I was traveling around the country from to universities providing um, workshops for their students for two or three days in a row. And uh, it was wonderful. And I loved that experience. But what I didn't realize was that a lot of that content can actually be done online and right through their computer and it saves everybody the time and energy and the money of all the travel and the the, the cost of the room and the you know and right. so you know it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how things go on the other side of this pandemic exactly. where i think that there are some fantastic things that we're going to hold on to from this experience and that are going to create some amazingly exciting new opportunities for people in terms of the arts. And also there's going to be a lot of desire to go back to that in-person, you know, um, tangible, yes. you know, experience. And I think that, right. that, that the dual, the dual aspects of that is going to be really exciting. Well, just well, I, I would like to, um, uh, I, first of all, it's, what a great opportunity for the kids at Slippery Rock. Um, I know that's a fairly new program and to have you come in is just um, such a, a, a bonus, such a wonderful um, opportunity. But I do want to take you back to some of those in-person experience because I was so excited to read that you were in, were in Ragtime. It, <laughs> it is one of the most profound and moving musicals I've ever seen. Um, just love that musical. Um, can you tell us something about your experience with Ragtime? And and also because it's the season, something of your role in The Grinch as well. Share with us some of your, your uh, yeah, go back and, and let us relive some of those fun live on stage experiences. Sure. Well, I have to tell you, um, I, I thank you for asking about those those projects. Um, they both are very special to me in different reasons, for different reasons and in different ways. Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas was a really special experience for me because, first of all, it was my Broadway debut. I was, um, I had, I had just the the, the story that, that that I always tell about that experience was that I had this I had this job that I thought I was going to get. I was in the final callbacks for a job that I was really, really, really excited about, and I didn't get it. And I was kind of devastated and really feeling down about the experience. And it was it was with a with a group of people that I had known and, and worked with for many years. And I felt so, um, uh, you know, bet betrayed maybe is the wrong word, but I just really felt very, very hurt by the fact that I had put in all of this time and energy into this project. And then I wasn't the person that was chosen to continue on. And I, I really felt down about it. And um, and it was not a Broadway show. It was a, a regional project, but you know I was passionate about it. And I really wanted to be a part of it. And because of that, I happened to still be in New York City around and be able to to audition for Dr. Seuss How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And um, I actually auditioned for the Grinch. Uh, I went to an open call. It was my fourth audition of the day. 
this is this is how it works in oh Europe. Oh my gosh! You're, you're, you just are pounding the pavement constantly, and I was like, well, I have five minutes. I'll go over there and audition for this project. I have a couple minutes left in my day. I'd already done three, so I walked across the street and got in line. And by pure ha happenstance, they still had a spot left for me, and I stood in line. And as I was standing there, um, uh, I saw the casting director come out and say, "Hey, I, I got to go uh, to." to the bathroom for a minute. I'm going to have my, my substitute, my second in line casting director go in for a moment. And she's going to, she's going to cover the room. And I went, Oh man, the casting director is not even going to be there. And when I walked around the corner and walked into the room, of course, the assistant casting director was a dear friend of mine, someone who oh. I had worked with many years before. Um, her name, Rachel Hoffman, who was in the room. And when I walked in, she said, Aaron, Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in years. It's so great to see you. You're perfect for this show. I, okay, cool. And next thing I knew, I had a callback and a callback and a callback, and then I ended up booking that show. Oh, um, and so it was this amazing experience of, you know, you sometimes, you know, these, these doors close, but then a window opens, right? Yeah. And that's the thing that's so amazing to me about the whole thing. And, and I, was, I was really blessed to be a part of that company for actually many years. I started with Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, as I mentioned, in the cast on Broadway. I then was uh, in the cast of the first national tour and I did that. And then uh, an, a, about two years later, I actually transitioned and moved to the other side of the table. And I was hired as the uh, assist, as first the assistant director, then the associate director, and I moved my way up to really setting the show. I was in charge of um, getting the show all ready, and uh, um, I was uh, deeply involved in casting and, and staging and directing. And then the, the director, Matt August, who's a very dear friend of mine, would come in and he would put his magic and, and you know put all the, the final touches on everything, and then we would open. Um, so it was an amazing many-year experience of that that company and that show and it's very very near and dear to my heart so that was very cool in terms of ragtime ragtime is the show and the experience that i talk about as at this point i'm still hoping to you know eventually eclipse it somewhere down the line but at this point i consider that the the height of my theatrical experience both artistically financially spiritually um career-wise it's just the thing that you know we often talk about in the theater that if you if you have if it's good money that's exciting if it's creatively um, fulfilling that's exciting if it helps you along your in your career that's exciting but don't expect more than one of them to happen at any given time oh okay you're gonna do one or the other and the other two are not gonna happen you're making a ton of money but you're miserable doing it or you're doing this passion this project that you're so passionate about but you make no money right i mean it's always gonna be one of those things and this was an experience where all of those things happened i was doing a show on broadway i was involved in a show that i absolutely couldn't have been more passionate about surrounded by artists who i was thrilled and inspired by every minute of the time that I was in the room with our incredible director, Marsha Milgram Dodge, our, our cast who was just titans of the theater who were just absolutely brilliant. We were incredibly well um, reviewed and, and people just loved our production. We were, we were moving hearts and minds and it was a truly extraordinary um experience. I, I, I still look back on that time as, as one of the most exciting periods of my life. If nothing else, I love hearing the real stories and your passion. It just comes <laughs> through. I, oh, I'm glad. It's very moving. Yeah. Did you have, Alex, did you have something to say? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say for people who don't know the musical Ragtime, do you want to just give us a brief summary? Sure. So the musical Ragtime is one of those great musical theater pieces. Um, it, it tells the story of three very distinct group of humans at the turn of the century as they uh, clash and they, they come together and they, they work out challenges. There's, a, there's the, the African-American community from Harlem. There's the very white um, segregated group of people from New Rochelle, and there's the, the immigrants from Europe who are all experiencing all of this turmoil and, and change and um, life it, all, all at the same time. It's, it's very funny. It's very moving and powerful. It's got one of the most 
thrilling scores of any contemporary yes. musical theater piece ever written. Uh, it's really special. And, you know, our production, what was really unique about it was that the original production had a cast of 45. It was massive. Um, it was it was a, at a period of time when they could still hire that many people to be in a Broadway show. That, that, that doesn't happen anymore. They're, they're can always much, much smaller. And our production was, you know, we, we had, at, for the revival, um, we, we were almost 20 people less, which simply meant that we all got to do so many things. I was in the ensemble with a feature. I played the role of Henry Ford. Um, who sings a song and, and is one of the characters in the show, but I also got to be in almost every scene of the show as a different character. I had something like uh, something like 23 characters in, oh. in the course of the show, and I ended up having something like 29 costume changes. Um, it was absolutely incredible and exciting. It was a two and a half hour show of which I was literally on stage for almost two hours and 10 minutes. Um, and that 20 minutes was, of course, me frantically changing clothes. It was it was absolutely fantastic. What a, what a special piece. I think it's one of those musicals that really uh, the story may be different, but it, it applies to uh, certainly right now with different groups that we have, you know, in the country sort of fighting each other. It's all about bringing those different ideas together and unifying people's and I, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very, it's a very timely show. In fact, there's a number of really, uh, exciting theaters that are producing it. Uh, they're hoping to produce it this coming summer. Uh, I know it's, it's on the top of a lot of people's lists because it really does speak to this time. Yeah. You know, I had a question. So it was Tony nominated. Yeah. So we, we received 10 Tony nominations that season, uh, as the revival. And um, that was really that was really neat. Ten, ten. We we were the most nominated revival of any show. Oh wow, that is fantastic. That must that be really a really is. Too. I do remember. Oh, I think I was maybe about eighteen when the movie Ragtime was released. Sure. Yeah. And it 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 punched me. I just remember that. So I adding adding this layered story and all the wonderful. Um, music and the productions that's it I mean it's it's a it's a it's kind of the perfect storm because again we talk about the fact that the storylines are really uh timeless and and we just keep circling back to them uh, in humanity so a powerful a very powerful story agreed well I'm going to go ahead and ask this question okay Alex usually does it, but I'm going to take her chorus question. <laughs> we ask the professional actors, we interview this, but I love to hear about those fun little human things that happen, like the bloopers in live performances. Do you have any? Do I have any? What, what, what live theater actor would say no to that question? <laughs> That's why we ask it. Oh man, I have I, I literally have hundreds to choose between. Between, it's just a, such a crazy, crazy thing because you know when you're doing live theater, things go wrong. That's that's the fun of it, right? Um, so I, I think of um, two particular stories: one which is very short, and one which is a little bit longer. Uh, but both deal with the show White Christmas. Um, so I did a I did. Two productions. I, I've done two different productions of White Christmas over the years. I did a production at a regional theater when I was um, just starting out. It actually got me my equity card, and then many years later, I was hired to do the national tour of equity of the Equity National Tour, uh, Broadway Equity National Tour of White Christmas, which uh, I did for three years. And uh, that production, uh, uh, there was an adventure around. So two different adventures. So I'll start with the one on the national tour, which was just that uh, in my last year doing that, my third year, there is a moment in the show when I was playing the role of Mike Nolte, who's the, the frantic, uh, stressed out stage manager. And there is this moment in the show where everyone comes out on stage and we all dance and, and we have fun. And there's just this little bit of partner choreography. It's a, everybody is partnered with someone else and they dance with that scene, that partner and sing a little bit of white Christmas and the show ends. And, uh, that particular night, the, 
we had a bunch of illnesses. We had a ton of illnesses. We had a, a whole bunch of people that were out that show and there were not enough people for all everyone to have a scene partner. And so I was not sure, I, I, I knew that I was supposed to uh, not have a scene partner. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with my dance partner for this whole sequence? And earlier in the show, there's a moment where I'm given a gift. The character is given a gift. I'm given this gift of, um, uh, it's like a, a whiskey jar, essentially. It's, it's, a, it's a gag earlier in the show. So I have this like jug that I'm, that I, that I get as a gift. And, and my, my choreographer comes up to me and says, or the, the dance captain rather comes up to me and says, so you actually are going to be dancing with the jug. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yes, it is actually, I don't know how this happened, but it is literally in the book of, uh, understudy information that if there ever are not enough dance partners for that sequence, Mike Nolte dances with the jug oh and so i did i did all i did the turns i did the dips i did the all the different choreography but with a jug and the number of people who are backstage who are on the crew who are all filming and laughing their faces off as i did this that then of course went out on social media was was pretty hilarious and, and <laughs> fabulous so that was that was one very fun fun experience um the other one which is a little bit of a longer story was this regional production of white christmas that i did where um we just had one of those nights where everything went wrong everything uh it started off where we were doing the opening number and there's this moment where all of the characters, all the actors and dancers on stage turned and faced upstage and this one actor came out and did this huge dance solo. And we got to that moment and we spun around and we all put our hands out, gesturing towards the upstage center where that character, that actor comes out and does this huge dance solo and he didn't come out. Oh my goodness. And there is a 32 bar dance break where literally nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> when we got off stage, we found out that somehow he didn't know that there was a show that day and our stage management team missed that he wasn't in the building. So he wasn't <laughs> even in the theater. Oh my gosh. We then pr proceeded to start, you know, things started going wrong. I, I missed a costume change. So I came out in my next scene and my pants and shoes are um, like army fatigue outfit and the top half of me, I'm wearing an elf costume. <laughs> I'm in half and half, right? I do this next whole scene because I couldn't miss my entrance, but I didn't have the right clothes. You know, then we have other people messing up lines and missing, missing entrances and all of these things start going wrong. Um, where, where we're all just trying to kind of make it through and figure out what to do. And, and we, we, we kind of gather our strength and we get to get to the opening of act two, where, uh, there's this huge tap number and the tap number is designed where all of these lines are moving in different patterns across the stage. And as we're doing the, doing the number, there's supposed to be, um, these, uh, little little pieces that come down from the ceiling um, from the from the rafters that are like music notes that are just that hang above where the actors are, and of course as we're dancing they accidentally bring down a full drop which cuts one of those lines in half so half of the the, the line is now dancing in front of the drop half of the line is behind the drop but we can't keep doing our patterns where we're all moving in front and behind and in the, like, because there's a huge drop cutting off the center of the stage. So this all goes on for a while. It's a total disaster. Um, we finally make it to the end of the show, the final moment of the show, where um, where the the colonel, the 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 army, the army guy comes out at the end of the show, and he gives this very passionate, beautiful speech. And just as he's about to come out, the curtain comes in, and one of the curtains on the right side catches on this door. And so it comes in, but it's like hanging over the store. So there's this huge, you can't, you can see right into the backstage. Well, our state, our stage manager is trying to get it off the door and she's flipping it and jumping and trying to get it off the door as he begins his passionate, beautiful speech. So the audience is of course watching the stage manager. Eventually the stage manager pulls with all of her might and rips a hole, a, a steering wheel size hole in the grand drape. Oh my God. 
God. And pulls it down. So now he's giving the speech. There's a, a hole right over his right shoulder, the size of a steering wheel in the main drape. And actors are occasionally walking to their positions behind the drop, noticing that they're being seen by the audience through this hole and dodging to get out of the way. Oh this all happened in one performance. It was just extraordinary. One of those special <laughs> special nights where nothing could have gone right if we wanted it to. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is great. <laughs> oh, wow. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah, that's, see, that's what we're missing. That's what we're missing. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So, um, you know, as a... Uh, uh, my husband is actually a Slippery Rock professor, hmm. uh, so we welcome you to the to the university. And, and thank we you. Love, um, but my husband is a history teacher, and so translating that uh, into online has not been that difficult. Um, it's still a struggle sometimes because kids aren't necessarily on the screen, or you know. <laughs> but history translates pretty well, but. I I can imagine that you've had to overcome some challenges and sort of be creative when you're when you're doing theater online. So yeah, so what have you you know have you been able to do shows or or what have you done with the students? Well, you'd be surprised how much we've able we've been able to do. We've really gotten very good at at figuring out how to use technology to our advantage to really be able to do what we need to do. Um, we're, we're doing, we're working on songs and we're working on scenes and we're doing exercises and we're really, really diving into the music of things. And we're really focusing on storytelling and, and making really exciting acting choices where, you know, we're able to do quite a lot uh, all online as we've, you know, gotten better at the technology, not at the beginning, it was a little wonky, but you know, <laughs> at this point, at this point, you know, we all have gotten quite comfortable with with yeah. this new this new thing which doesn't mean that there aren't challenges and certain things that we've had to figure out how to sort of work around i think one of the things that's been the most unique is working on productions right yeah. um and so what what we decided to do this year for for our musical productions is is a little unique so we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for the fall musical at slippery rock university and we kept running into challenges because um, one of the biggest challenges with live Zoom performances is syncing music. It's very, very challenging to sync music with performers live over Zoom. Yeah. And so what we kind of came to was that the only way we could really do musical things online was that we were going to need to pre tape it. We needed to tape it, we needed to edit it, and then we could stream that out for the world. But most uh, most pro professional productions, theater pieces, are very nervous about the idea of uh, letting people film and edit their shows and stream them if they're not live, if they're if they're literally being you know created like a movie as opposed to created like a live show. You know they they're okay with Hamilton where you're performing live in front of an audience and they tape it and then you edit that together. But what they're not okay with is um, filming it like a movie with actors in rooms and then editing that together and putting it out. There, there, there are rules about that you're, you're not allowed to do that for a lot of productions, especially musicals. And they kept saying, you know, the only way you could do it is if you do a live performance and then tape it. And we're like, well, we can't do a live performance. We're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Um, and so what we came up with was um, we came up with this idea to commission a world premiere musical for our students designed specifically for Zoom. And so what we did was um, I have a lot of relationships with people, uh, composers and lyricists and writers, and I reached out to a, a songwriting and uh, team that I absolutely love, um, Danny Lincoln and Omri Shine, and said, hey, what do you think about putting a, a show together for our students? And they jumped at the chance. They wrote this show in three weeks, three weeks. Oh my God. Music, music, lyrics, book, everything. Oh my god! Three weeks, totally mind blowing. Uh, I've worked on a lot of new musicals in my in my day, and I have to tell you, I expected that our final performance would be, you know, acceptable with that kind of a time frame. And I was like, you know, 
that's, you know, that's, I'm going to try to get to that. That's the goal. Well, what ended up happening was they're such good writers and they were, they did such a good job that at our first read through, I went, this is where I expected to be at the end. Wow. And so then we were able to just continue to workshop the piece and make it even stronger from there. So I'm really proud of it. So we, we um, filmed, we edited, we, we put the whole thing together. We're actually in the process right now of doing the final editing and we will be premiering this world premiere musical for, for all Slippery Rock students uh, and anyone who else wants to do it in January, which we're awesome. really, really excited about. It's going to be a, a really neat and unique, unique experience. Um, oh, and I I'm hope so that glad you shared this information. Yeah, I hope that your listeners will be able to join us. So it's January 28th, 29th and 30th. And I'm sure I don't have the exact details of where you can get those tickets. But if you if you uh, look at Slippery Rock uh, University uh, Theater Department, I'm sure that they will be able to get you all of that information. Uh, it's a it's a fabulous new show. It's funny. It's joyful. It's called Making Melrose. And it is it is a modern take on Cyrano de Bergerac in the social media age. It's oh hilarious. I it's love absolutely that. wonderful. It's really fantastic. So um, we're in the process of doing that. That has been a really unique challenge because essentially, as someone who has worked in the live theater my whole life, I basically spent the last semester making a movie, which is a completely different experience, right? We're shooting everything out of order. We're rehearsing things just in time to film it. We're uh, doing, you know, there are times where actors who are in scenes together, you know, they never rehearsed until the day of shooting. You know, it was just a completely different experience that I'm used to as, a, as somebody who works in the live theater. So that's been a really unique experience. And then in the spring, we're doing something else. What we're going to do in the spring is we're going to do an evening of short um, short films, all related to um, performance of of musical theater and pop popular music. So we're going to be taking these songs, we're going to be filming them, we're going to be editing them, and, and creating these these short films that then we also will be premiering in the spring, which we're again really excited about. Oh my gosh, that is so impressive! And Aaron, we will find your the information about the show and be happy to share it on. Um, on our Facebook page. So please do. I, I have to tell you, the students have worked so hard at it. Um, our writers are great. The entire, the, all of our designers and our faculty, everybody has really put their heart and soul into this production. And, and I'm really excited for people to see it. I think, I think it's going to be pretty special. Creativity rides, rises to the occasion. I agree. This is amazing. I was ex very excited to learn about all your online teaching programming. Uh, we looked at your website, and guess what we came up with? Some reviews, and I'm going to share some of them <laughs> with our audience. Okay. I, I, I feel like I should read them in different um, voices. In different voices today. <laughs> but since I've got this stinking sinus infection, I don't think they would. I think they're all going to come off in a low register. So here we go. Um, I've booked three major production contracts after working with Aaron, and now I never go to any major callback without his help. Mike Longo, Aladdin, and beautiful. It's a joy studying with Aaron. His depth of knowledge and enthusiasm for teaching are inspiring. He helped me, uh, it helped me bring joy back to the audition process, and I recommend him to anyone interested in improving their approach to auditioning, whether a newcomer or an established veteran. Kristen J. Hubbard, Phantom of the Opera. What sets Aaron apart is his ability to communicate with performers of all levels and backgrounds with compassion, respect, and enthusiasm. His profound intuition allows him to connect with students on a very powerful level. He will always find his he will always find common ground, he will always challenge you, and he will always find a way to reflect your own beauty back to you. Madison Micucci, the band's visit. And um, uh, I'm sorry, Madison, if I mispronounced your last name. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was a, a, a heartwarming experience for me. That's so yeah. nice to hear those. Thank you. Well, tell us about your programming, what your goal is as a master teacher, what you hope for, for your students. Share this. I think a lot of people uh, don't have an idea about what this is all about. Sure. Well, my teaching actually, um, uh, as a master teacher, I actually work in a whole bunch of different um, aspects of teaching. So the first thing, as I mentioned earlier, I travel 
to universities across the country and offer workshops to university students who are usually about to graduate, but sometimes a little bit younger, who are in the process of getting ready to move to New York City. And we will work through their material, we'll talk about what they need to prepare and, and, and really try to tee them up for success in the industry. That's, that's one of the things that I do. I also do workshops on song interpretation and Shakespeare and, and, and some other areas as well, but mostly it's, it's sort of, um, career prep and and industry uh, savvy sort of ex experiences for colleges. So that's one one area that I do. Um, another thing that I'm really passionate about that I spend a lot of uh, my time teaching is sides technique. Um, one of the things, and sides are, um, of course, the, the scripts that you have to read for auditions specifically. Oh, yeah. um, and so what happens is a lot of people spend all of their time learning how to sing and dance and they know how to kill a song. They're brilliant at it. They come in and they do this song and everybody in the audition room goes, wow, I want that person to do this part. And then they bring them in and say, hey, could you read the scene? And people fall apart because they don't have a technique, an actual step-by-step -step strategy of how do I take this scene and turn it into a spectacular performance that will make the people behind the table say, I want to hire that person. And that is another thing that I'm really passionate about and I spend a lot of my time working with students on, um, students and clients and friends. Um, uh, then in addition to that, I have uh, a company that I, I co-run with um, my, my, my business partner, VP Boyle. The two of us, it's called Max Theatrics. It's a company that has been around for many years. VP Boyle started it and I joined, uh, oh, oh, gosh, almost, almost 10 years ago now. I guess it was eight, eight or nine years ago. And we've been running it since then. And, and it offers classes to industry professionals. We teach uh, book building classes. We teach these sides classes. Um, we teach uh, pop rock courses, basically teaching artists how to up their audition experience and game in, in the room. And then the last tier that I do, the last area that I, I focus on is one-on-one -on -one private, private coaching. Uh, that ends up being a lot of my hours. Um, and I do, I work with people of all levels. Although I will say that, you know, most of the people that I'm working with are college level or above. I do work with occasionally with high school students, occasionally with um, middle school or, 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 or a little younger if there's a specific project that they're working on. But most of the time I'm working with, you know, people who are either about to go into college, in college, or post-graduate post students, um, which does not mean I'm not comfortable with the other things. It's just sort of where my word of mouth is. That's where a yeah. lot of the people that I work with are from and so they tell their friends and therefore a lot of those people come and, and work with me and so we work on anything that that performer needs focus on sometimes it's uh how do we how do we act a song sometimes it's how do i um really work on this scene uh, whether it's for a film and television audition or for a broadway musical sometimes it's finding material i need i need to find a great song or a great monologue or working on specific acting techniques or specific strategies within within the world of acting or uh, various elements of, of career. Somebody says, I, I need to get an agent. How do I do that? I'll, I'll take them step by step through that career, those career steps of what are the things that you might do in order to get an agent? Here are some strategies, here are some things, headshots or resumes, or um, I wanna break into commercials, great. So then I'll, I'll go through and strategize with you based on your your techniques and your skill set um whether you need to work on a reel and and how do you find the material for your reel you know all of these type of things are, are sort of the areas that i special specialize in and i work with the student based on what they need they come to me and they say here's what i hope to accomplish and we spend our time doing that it's really it's really exciting i what i love so much about it is that every day and i'm working with really passionate exciting humans and artists as they're trying to work out really concrete challenges. And it's fun that every hour is a different experience. I'll spend an hour with one student working on a Shakespeare monologue. And then the next hour, I'm talking to someone about how to get an agent. And the hour after that, I'm working on a song as somebody is preparing to audition for a Broadway musical. Um, it's really thrilling. And it's a, it's a community that I'm really passionate about and love connecting to. Um, and then of course, all of those skills, it's that that's the coolest thing is that all of these things that I'm talking about, I get to do with students at Slippery Rock.
which is just amazing uh, because I'm, I'm spending the time in the classroom with these students, taking all of these experiences and these, these techniques that I use with the professionals and, and bringing them to the students at Slippery Rock. It's a, it's a really amazing experience. Well, I'll tell you, I could have really used your expertise because my most embarrassing experience Oh no. Probably in life, but certainly in the theater <laughs> was I had to do I was doing uh Lady Macbeth's out damn spot speech. Yeah. And I got on stage, it was at the Folger Shakespeare uh theater in DC. Yeah. It was a competition. And I think what it was at the root of it was that I really didn't know what I was saying. I really wasn't understanding the language well enough. Yeah. But I said out damn spot and forgot oh. and so i repeated out damn spots oh. and washed my hands until someone came in and saved me oh. um, so it would have been just a blessing to have someone like you that would help me and that this is one of the reasons i was so anxious to share your information with our audience is that so many students and lovers of the theater are stuck inside with no place to to share their talents or grow their talents. And, and this time when a lot of, a lot of them are just sitting at home is a wonderful time to reach out to someone like you to be prepared for that next audition. My, my sons are all in theater. I have one that graduated in theater from college and others that were involved and they have many friends who are, uh, you know, trying to, to get into the industry, either preparing to audition for colleges or auditioning for colleges right yeah, now yeah, or getting ready to, to go out into the, uh, to the real world, so to speak. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to let them know that you exist. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, it's really been exciting. Yeah. Well, it's really been exciting to see how things have shifted over the pandemic already. Cause you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, it all disappeared, right? Because nobody, had any auditions, there was no work coming, you know, nobody knew what to do. And so everything just stopped. And then what's happened, which has been really exciting is people have started reaching out and it's, and, and now it's starting to build back up to this place where people are going, okay, now I want to get that skill set up. I've never done Shakespeare. Let's work on that. Or I, I want to do this brand new song that I haven't done before, or I want to get ready for when those auditions start up again. And people are really starting to feel that, that uh, sense of um, being revived. And, and so it's been really exciting to be working with students here and, and see the resurgence of that passion and commitment, which has really started within the last month or so. And I see it kind of continuing to grow over the course of the spring. I, I think it's going to be a very bu busy spring for me, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know you're living right outside New York City right now. Um, uh, I haven't been there since the theaters were shut down. You know, when I was there last, it was just booming and bustling. I was so thrilled to see a few Broadway numbers at the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Um, but but since you're still connected, what does it feel like uh, among the theater community? I mean, are the is everyone keeping their spirits up and hope alive during this pandemic? Do you, in other words, do you have any insider information? <laughs> well, here's, yeah, yeah, here's what I can tell you. I, I am very connected with the community um, and we are all constantly talking and I am, you know, w talking to a lot of my clients on a pretty regular basis. You know, this is, you know, we, we talked a lot about all of the optimism and the positivity that's happening in the resurgence and the excitement that has come from the, the technology and the opportunities that that's creating. Unfortunately, this is one of those spots that that isn't quite as as positive. Which, if I'm being perfectly honest, is that it's it's uh, it's kind of a sad state in some ways at this moment. Um, you know what what has happened is because all of the work has dried up, and because there is it's so far in the future for us to even even with the vaccine starting, you know nobody really believes that Broadway is going to really open and be available for quite some time because it's so many people all inside in these packed theaters to really make it work. That that a huge swath of the community is uh, has left the theater. And it's a really sad state. Um, you know, at this point, I, every every single day, I 
see someone post on social media, some, some member of my community who I have worked with either, either as a client or as a, as a fellow artist over the last you know, 20 years or so of the industry, every single day I see someone say, I'm leaving New York. This is, this, I, I'm leaving. I can't be there anymore. Um, and so, you know, what's happening is that this community, which was so thriving and full and, and full of optimism and hope, you know, uh, I, I think if I'm estimating, I think a third of the community has now left and, and may never come back. I think another third has left and hopes to come back, depending on how things go. And a third is kind of keeping their head down and trying to make it work. But yeah. it, it's, it's really decimated the, the community in a pretty severe and, and sad way. And so any opportunity that if anybody out there has the opportunity to hire artists, to, to give money to things like the Actors Fund, which is supporting artists who are, able, who are having trouble paying their, for their groceries or health care, um, now is the time. There's a, there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of, of challenge in, in that area. And it, it is creating a, a really problematic situation for when the theaters are ready to revive and come back. There's a lot of people that won't be there anymore to do that. And that's a really, really sad thing for our community. Now, the positive of that is that, like I said, I do think that it's going to create some other interesting opportunities. For one, people that didn't have a chance before suddenly will. And it's going to create an opportunity for voices that we have not heard from previously that are going to create a real, a new cultural um, outpouring of opportunity for people that maybe have been sidelined uh, up till now because they haven't had their voices heard. I also think that it's going to create an opportunity for people to be a part of this community from wherever they are and where previously you had to be in New York City if you wanted to really compete in this industry. I do think that because so many people are no longer going to be there, I think that what's going to happen is that people in other cities are going to be able to compete because all they have to do is hop on Zoom and audition. And the opportunities that happen there to be able to live where you want, to be part of other communities like the Slippery Rock community and still audition for a Broadway show, I think is coming. It's not there yet, but I think it's coming. So I do think that there's going to be some positives that come out of this. But yeah, it's, it's a challenging time, I, I have to tell you. Oh, wow. You've given us so much information. Uh, I'm just overwhelmed by uh, everything you're sharing with us. And, and I feel everything from a bit of anxiety for you know, things to get back to the theater. But, but just I, I am excited about the fact that there's a lot of new visions out there and that a lot of people are embracing what we do have to make art happen. Our art always finds a way, I'm sure of it. But it's also brought up the fact that you are, sir, a triple threat, actor, <laughs> director, master teacher. <laughs> do you have a preference? And um, just also while you're, we're talking, what, I, what advice do you wanna give to young people considering a career in the arts, especially considering uh, these different circumstances? You know, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't have a preference. I love all three so much. Um, and that's sort of what keeps me going is the idea that I get to do something different all the time. I love that I get okay. to act in a show and then direct something and then do a, te a, a master class and then teach one-on-one. -on -one. And the, the fact that I'm getting to do all of those things, they all feed each other. They all, you know, lessons that I learn as an actor help me with my coaching, which helps me with my directing, which helps me with my coaching, right? There's a constant shift that is happening there with all of those things that, and, uh, and a relationship between them that I absolutely love. So that that's really really thrilling um, did I, I, feel, I feel like i had to ask you uh to pick a favorite child <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did yeah 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 it's just, just not possible just not possible <laughs> i just i just love each each so much and there you know each is 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 cool because the, i'm at different levels for each of those you know where where i've had this really thrilling and and um exciting uh experience as an actor where I've really hit a, a lot of heights there. As a director, I'm still relatively new. Um, so I'm still learning a lot about that experience and trying to figure out aspects of that in, in terms of technology and, and design that, that are not things that I was necessarily focused on as an actor. So, you know, but they're all related to storytelling, which I, you know, I, I feel passionate about, you know, so it's, it's been a really neat uh, experience to kind of jump between those and, and continue that, those explorations. Um, in terms of advice for young people who are thinking about being in the theater, the first thing that I'll say is that you don't have to become a professional actor 
to have your training and life experiences in the theater be meaningful and be valuable. One of the things I always yes. talk about is that teach, learn, being in the theater teaches you everything you need to know about life. Communication, collaboration, empathy, connection, problem solving. It's just a, a place where you can learn all of the things that you need to succeed in life in whatever capacity you want. You wanna be a lawyer? Great, you'll be a better lawyer if you've spent time in the theater. You wanna be a scientist? Fantastic, you'll be better at it. You know, if you wanna be a teacher, all of those things, you can, be, you can get, be better at those things by spending time in the theater. And so I always say, it's worth it, it's worth it. Even if there is, you're, you're, you know, people say, I need, a, I need to make sure I have a fallback job. Your fallback job is anything you want to do because you'll be able to take those skills and apply it to every part of your life and be more successful in those areas. So that's the first thing I would say. And then the second thing I would say is spend your time creating authentic relationships. Um, so much of my career is, is because of the people that I've surrounded myself with and become dear collaborators with, friends with, um, that I have found time to support them, they support me. And because of that community, I feel like I am in a place that I belong and it's given me a, a regular sense of support and a regular sense of um, career that I've been able to progress in my career because I'm surrounded by people that I know will catch me when I fall. And it's been an extraordinary experience to be part of that, that community. And I would just say, do everything you can to, to create those authentic relationships. Well, I can imagine it's not difficult for you to create authentic relationships because you just are a delight. <laughs> Absolutely. And your goodness just shines through in, in, uh, in the, the things that you share with us. So um, thank you so much for sharing your time and experiences with us. Uh, we, we're thrilled to welcome you to the Slippery Rock community for however long we get you. And you are have obviously been a blessing to the students at SRU. We do have one que more question because no guest can leave our podcast Great. without answering the Guthrie question, which is what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie is a movie called Magnolia. Um, I am a big fan of it. It's a very strange film that tells interlocking stories of people's experiences in, in Los Angeles. I find it hilarious and heartbreaking and everything that you would want an evening of uh, entertainment to be. Well, that's a new one, Lisa. We'll have to, we'll have to check that out. And I have, um, I've heard about that movie. Now, clearly with several people mentioning it, it it's a must-see. <laughs> it's a, well, get ready. It's a strange one. It's a strange <laughs> ride. Um, you have to kind of be prepared for it, but it 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 is really special. So I, I love it. I won't give too much away beyond that. No, that's okay. I will tell you, being uh, with theater people for most of my adult life, strange doesn't really hit any weird weirdness for me. So <laughs> we're all a little bit interesting. That's we all are. I should say. <laughs> we are. It's true. I was going to say, Lisa and I are nothing if we're not strange. <laughs> <laughs> we embrace it. That's right. That's right. I always say, well, my, my kids have gotten used to me saying, um, anytime they say, Dad, you're weird, or Dad, you're strange, I always say, story of my life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I proud, love it. proud of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know when my kids were, you know, in that middle school era where everything you do, including breathing, is embarrassing <laughs> to them. And, and particularly embarrassing if you have an outgoing, uh, song singing, uh, nutty mother who performs in the grocery store. So uh, I'm just always saying, hey, I haven't changed get over it. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's right. Oh, I know. What well, a pleasure, Lisa and Alex. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate you. Um, what you do with this podcast. It's really, really special and important to get the word out here. And I, I, I'm, I'm very honored to have been on it. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us at Applause, uh, your commitment to the arts, your talents, your stories. I mean, I feel I, I, I'm, I'm mesmerized. I, I, I feel so I, it, it, it creates excitement for me and, and that hope. And uh, also I've even, I'm now more even interested in what's going on at Slippery Rock University. I even be, than before I, it's very, it, it is, it's very, very exciting for me. And I 
appreciate your sharing your talents with us because I think we all know the struggles art has at any time, but now in particular, how, how we really need to make sure people understand the importance of the arts. So Thanks, we will have, yeah, we will have all your information on our Facebook page so students and professionals can reach out to you. And again, Erin, thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. My pleasure. Okay, and, I and to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. We are excited for this brand new year. We wish you a happy new year and look forward to more arts opportunities in 2021. Um, you know how much the Guthrie means to us, so we just want to remind you to help us keep their doors open. Uh, we're hoping here in the near future that theaters can be opened again and you can go to the movies, get lots of movie snacks, buy tickets for gifts, rent the theater, you know, share posts and information with family and friends or just donate. And you can find out how to donate on their website. We'll post a link on our Facebook page and just hang in there until all our stage doors are open again. That's right. Hey, hope you enjoyed applause. The Guthrie Theater Talks Performing Arts Podcast. Hey, let us know what you think. Um, be sure to find us on Facebook at Applause the Guthrie Theater Talks Performing Arts Podcast and Instagram, Applause the Podcast. Check out our Facebook page for information about our podcast guest and what's going on at the Guthrie Theater in Grove City. Remember, um, after the 4th of January so far, um, you can uh, be able to rent the Guthrie for your own upcoming events. Contact them at bill at veritasarts.org. And a special thanks to Major Morgan for creating and performing our original theme song. I think this will not surprise you at all. Alex, that um, the theme song is also my ringtone. <laughs> As part of our commitment to local talent, we're excited to introduce you to this fantastic regional band. And you can learn more about them at Major Morgan on Facebook. And you can reach us at lisa at veritasarts.org. And don't forget to stay involved in the arts. As today's guest proves, COVID can't stop us experiencing the joy and the beauty of the arts. Whether Absolutely. as a spectator or performer, remember, your applause keeps us alive. See you next time. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. And we're done. Awesome. Okay. I He just wrote to us. So I will reply to both of us. Um, okay, and we will go from there. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, it was fun. To, it's always so much fun to talk to you. It is. It's so much fun to talk to you. We just I know. Feel like we, we can... are bit peas in a pod. I'll tell you that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, dear. Feel that. See you in a year. Okay. Bye. Bye.